Hey everyone, it's 10 a.m. and we are learning a sicha together. It's uh, Parshas Chayisara, it's from Chelek Tezvav, and it's sicha Gimel on Parshas Chayisara. And we are learning um, the schos of Rafa Shlema for Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak ben Sima Chasya. This is a Rashi sicha. Uh, if you want to get yourself a Chomish, I always love to have the Chomish close, but you you don't absolutely need it for this sicha because uh, the Rebbe is mitzatek, the whole sicha, all the details. I mean, the, the Rashi. The Rashi is on the words, uh, so the context is that after Eliezer, with all the nisim that occurred in, in finding Rivka, brings Rivka to Yitzchak, then Yitzchak brings Rivka into the tent of his mother. And it's on these words that we have this Rashi, and um, this is an iconic sicha. And in his commentary on the Pasuk, Rashi brings down as the Debraham um, Maschil, as the words that he's going to comment on, he brings down the three words to the tent which belonged to Sarah, his mother. And as we know, the Rebbe always taught us that the words of the Deeper Hamaschil are not random, and they're not just for the purpose of pointing us to what Rashi wants to comment on, but rather they are part of the commentary themselves. Uperish, and this is what Rashi comments on those three words. He brought her into the tent. And behold, she is Sarah's mother, that is to say, she became like in the image of Sarah, his mother. How so? For all the duration of Sarah's life, a candle remained lit from one era of Shabbos to the next. And there was a blessing in the dough. And there was a cloud atop her tent. And when Sarah passed, these miracles stopped. And when Rivka came into the tent, they returned. And the super commentaries on Rashi wrote, that's, that Rashi brings this commentary, elucidates this commentary specifically from the word ha'ayhala, her tent, which is followed by the word sara imai. Ilu perish hadvarim ha'ayhala. If the commentaries tell us that the simple explanation of this pasuk would have been that the words sara imai are connected to the word ha'ayala. Behind this would mean ha'ayel shel sara imai, the tent of sara, his mother. Haya hakasuf tzarech leimar ayhala. 
sara imai. I lo'ihel sara imai. Okay, the syntax is wrong here. The grammar is wrong, because if the pasuk should be read, he brought her to the tent of Sarah, his mother. Then the pasuk should have used the word ayhala, not ha ayhala, or le ayhel Sarah imay. Aval ein makayim lichtay belshayin ha ayhala vehei hayadia hamayra sheyaduakfar shel miha elza. But the way the pasuk is written seems um, not in consonance with the grammar, because if you write ha with the hey ha meaning that everybody knows whose tent this is, then you don't need to follow up with saying sarai and so the Mepharshim say that that is the super commentaries on Rashi explain that this is what Rashi is trying to tell us, that he brought him into the tent. It should, there should be a comma after that. That should be siyuma inyan. That's the end of that thought. The sara imoy hu And when the Pasuk says sara imoy, sara is his mother, this is an additional thought. What is it? It's telling us Baharehi Sara Imai that Rivka, it's more than resembles, that she becomes, behold, she becomes his mother Sarah. So this is how um, Rabbi Elazar Mizrahi, the Gorayeh, and others have said Chachamim and other super commentaries on Rashi explain what Rashi is doing here. Avol, but the Rabbi says, however, if this is the explanation for what Rashi is doing here, I have a couple of questions, the Rebbe says. Aleph. If this is what Rashi is trying to do, then why does he include the word imay in the Debra Maschil? And we know that every word he puts in the deeper maschil is with precision. If what's driving Rashi's question is that the word ha'ayala is the wrong word, and how do we know that? Because it shouldn't have been followed by the word sara, because ha'ayala means we all know exactly which tent this is, then it would have been enough to just say ha'ayala sara. And because the word imai is superfluous, it's not necessary here, he should not have included it in the deeper Hamaskil. That's question number one. Why does Rashi feel compelled to tell us that how did Sarah, how did Rivka become Sarah? In other words, how does she, how is she similar to Sarah? That there were all these Nisim. He could have simply said that in her actions, she very closely resembled Sarah. But no, instead, Rashi brings in elongated fashion all kinds of miracles. 
Gimel. Gam im Timzi Rashi Hekrat even if you want to say that it's absolutely necessary for Rashi to say that a miracle happened, but where in Pshutishal Mikra does Rashi have a basis for telling us exactly what Nes happened? And how much more so, there doesn't seem to be a foundational text for telling us that there was more than oneness, and how much more so in all the details. And it's true that we find this in the in the Perush of Targum Yonisan. But his commentary is different than Rashi's in that Rashi is Pshat. But Targum um, Yenison writes, and yet, even though he doesn't have the stated mandate of Rashi to only involve himself in Pshat, he only brings one miracle. Rashi, on the other hand, whose stated mandate is only to address the Pshat, feels compelled to bring three miracles. Why? So those are the three questions. Based. But Rabbi says we might be able to say, that it's true that these that all the details of these three miracles that Rashi includes in his parish, true, they're not um, substantiated by the Pshut Shal Mikra. But Rashi brought from the Medrash Rabba a medrash that is connected to the pshat. And for this reason, Rashi does something that he doesn't always do, not even half of the time, that he tells us at the end of his perush that it comes from Bereshis Rabba. And the Rebbe adds another detail here in the brackets, Shachain mikisve hayad perush Rashi Nikor Rashi. The Rebbe says, and by the way, from the um, handwritten manuscripts that are extant of, Rash- of Rashi's writings, it's uh, recognizable that his citing Bracious Rabba is what he did, Viloy Haisafas Hamatikim. And it's not something that those who copied his parish added. Like many other that were added by the Ma'atikim, by those who copied. Ulam, however, says, in addition to we don't understand why Rashi is bringing all this medrash. And the fact that he brings us the source from, from Rashi's Rabbah, dubious. Adayan ain't a move on. But on top of that, there's still things that are not understood. Imkain. Let's say we want to accept that. And we're going to say, okay, yeah, it's not Alpip Shat. But Rashi sometimes does that. And he's underscoring that it's not Alpip Shat by bringing us that it's from Rashi's Rabbah. But the Rebbe says, but if so, Aleph. 
If so, if the if Rashi is simply importing uh, a pshat from the medrash, why does he delete? Why does he not include the fourth detail that that medrash cites? And what was that? That the doors of their tent were open wide. That was another miracle that returned when Rivka went into the tent, according to the gracious Rabbah. However, Rashi does not cite that. And Bayes, Madua Midrash. And secondly, if all that Rashi is doing here is simply importing a perush in wholesale fashion from the Medrash, then why does he change the order? Not only does he change the order of how it appears in the Medrash, but he actually presents it to us in the opposite way of how it appears in the Medrash. Where it says, Anun Kashra Pesach Oil, then it says, Bracha Mitsuya Be'isa, and then it says, Vener Daluk. And Rashi gives it to us in the opposite order. The Rebbe says, and the truth is, from the very beginning, it's your heart pressed to say that all that Rashi is doing here is copying from the Medrash. The Rebbe says, I've already, it was already explained, but really he's saying, I've already explained many times at great length. Why Rashi doesn't, in the aggregate, mostly, on a regular basis, include the citation when he brings us a medrash from Chazal. Lefi. And this is because if Rashi brings down a medrash, then he is teaching us that these commentaries, these perushim, are based on and are learned from the Pshutash Mikra. The Imkain, and if so, Makar Hapirushim Hupshata Kasov. Rashi is trying to teach us that the real source of these medrashim are from the actual pasuk. And when there is an instance where what Rashi is taking from Chazal, from medrashim Chazal, is not al pipshutay at all, the Rashi may rak mi. And Rashi brings it in his parish only because the pshat is not clear. In that case, when Rashi brings down a medrash, and he, he is saying to us that it's not jumping out from the Pasuk itself, then Rashi will preface by saying, our sages taught us, Rabbi Seinu Darshu, the Imkain. And so once we understand what Rashi's regular style is, either he doesn't bring a Makar, and what he's teaching us is that the Makar is actually the Pshutashal Mikra. It's right there. 
it can jump out at you from the text. You can tease it out from the text. Or in cases where that's not the case, he will say something like Rabbi Senu Darshu. In Cain, if so, then in our Rashi that we are looking at now, it's not understood. Either way, if these three miracles jump out at you, or at least can be teased out of the text, then Rashi wouldn't have been able, wouldn't have to say that the source is the Bracious Rabba. And if they're not based, if, if you can't say that you, you have to come to this conclusion from the Pasuk, and Rashi brings it simply as a Medrash, that is relevant to the Pshat of the Pasuk, he should have prefaced as is his normal style, and he should have underscored that Rabbi Seinu Darshu, that our sages taught, Shakol's Manchasara Kayemes, and all the, that for the duration of Sarah's life, and so on and so forth. But in this Rashi, we have something anomalous. It doesn't seem that Rashi is saying this jumps out at you from the Pasuk, on the one hand. And on the other hand, he doesn't preface by saying our sages taught. And yet, he does bring a citation, he does bring that the, the the um, original place from which this appears. But he's not just cutting and pasting. He deletes one of the details of the Medrash and he changes the order completely. Gimel. And the explanation is Hakoshi Sheba Rashi Yashiv, Kubechol Shalosh Hatebel Shehetik, Ha'ayala Sara Imai. So one of the questions that Rabbi asked is, why is the word imay in the Dibra Maschim? And the Rebbe says, because Rashi's question is based, he's seeking to reconcile all three words. Shalach Aira, it would seem, heimiyutaris kulan. It would seem that all three are superfluous. Why? Kavan is hakasuf khan, it seems that the intention of the Pasuk here is to tell us that when Rivka arrived with Eliezer, and immediately Eliezer relayed to Yitzchak while they were still standing outside, all of the things, all of the events that happened. And as soon as he related this, Yitzchak brought Rivka inside the tent. He brought her inside. And he took her as a wife. And if this is what the Pasuk is trying to tell us, then the Pasuk should not have used the words it should have just said, skip all the three words. In other words, the Rebbe is saying, if you look at the narrative from a literary point of view, 
these words, all three words are superfluous because the Pasuk is trying to map out the trajectory of events. Rivka arrives with Eliezer. Eliezer tells Yitzchak of all the miraculous events. They're standing outside, they're chatting outside. And as soon as Yitzchak hears this, he brings Rivka in and he takes her as his wife. Umizem move on from the fact that the Pasuk includes these three words, these three words, it proves, it understood that these words, these words come to add something to the end of the story. And the end is by Yikachas Rivka Batila Leisha. Ki Bekach Haidi Anu Hakasov Es Hatam Vahasiba Shehevioi Es Yitzchak Lakachas Rivka. Because these three words actually relate to us the reason for why Yitzchak took her as a wife. Vashakaidim Lachain, Lehayaz Adavar Muchlat Etzlai. And what these three words are teaching us is that before he took her into the tent, this was not something that he was completely decided on. In other words, irrespective of the fact that Eliezer relate to him all the miracles that had occurred, he was still not convinced 100% that this is his wife. The litmus test is taking her into the tent. And that is why these words are included. This is to say, Although Eliezer had told Yitzchak the miraculous and wondrous um, chain of events, and he told it to him with all the details and, and included you know, the, the simonim and and included the miracles of Fitzas Haderach that it took him a very, very short time to get where he was supposed to go. It was miraculous. And that Rivka appeared immediately after he prayed to Hashem. And Eliezer shared with Yitzchak that he saw in this a proof that this is the woman that Hashem said would be for your servant, for Yitzchak. Meaning that Rivka is a fitting wife because of all of her characteristics to be the wife of Yitzchak. But still in all, and still Yitzchak had his doubts. He was not completely sure that she, in fact, is the right woman, that she um, is daima, that she, um, ugh, I'm, I'm losing the word, help me. Uh, Rachi, you're usually the one. Uh, what's similar, 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 similar thank you. Similar to, to his family, Li'imai Sarah, and specifically to his mother Sarah, Bitsitkus in her piety, in her, in her being a tzadikas v'chuli. Barei l'shem kach, and he knew that it was precisely for this reason that Avram had sent Eliezer 
to his homeland and to the place where he was born because it had to be somebody who was similar and belongs in the family. But he wasn't convinced until he brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah. But once we understand from what the Pasuk is telling us, that Yitzhak's decision hinged on what he saw in the tent, then we're forced to say, we must say, the Rebbe says, that in that moment when he took her into the tent, he saw nisim and iflois, miracles and wonders that were much greater, that eclipsed the wonders and the miracles that Eliezer had told him about. And they revealed and they expressed that in fact, she was similar to his family in a complete way. And specifically to Sarah, his mother. Umifarish Rashi, and so Rashi explains to us, And now Rashi tells us that in fact, these Nisim that he maps out in his parish are in fact alluded to in the words of the Pasuk, Ha'ayala Sara'imai. Shara Nais Bikesher le Ha'ayala, Nais Biachas le Sara, the Nais Bishaychas le Imai. That he beheld miracles that correlate to the words Ha'ayala, Sara, and Imai. Three miracles for three words, which would seem to be superfluous unless you understand them the way. The Rebbe tells us Rashi wants us to understand them, which is that you need these words because they indicate to you that it was only because of taking her into the tent that he in fact decided to marry her. And before you learn the Sikha, I don't know that most people would come to that conclusion. I think most people would think it was a done deal. <laughs> you know, there were so many miracles and Eliezer brings her. And we know from Rivka's side that she believes it's a done deal. She veils herself and so on and so forth. So it seems like it's done. But the Rebbe's chiddush here is that no, that these words, which would otherwise not be necessary, tell us that it was what happened in the tent that made Yitzchak know this was the right woman. And only then did he marry her. And that specifically these three words allude to what he saw in the tent. And in detail, in according to the order of how the Nisim are presented to us and how the words are in the Pasuk. I'm sorry, not according to the way the Nisim are presented, but according to the words. So the word like we already said, it could have said, Ahel Sarah But it says, Ha the tent with the Hey Hayadiyah, which means that everybody that reads this word knows exactly which tent you're talking about. And this alludes to the miracle of the, the, um, the cloud. So this miracle is connected, Nais Hakashur La 
it's connected to the word tent. Kiloimar, this is to say, Nes Hamabdil es Oyel Mikol Shar This is a miracle that delineates and separates this tent from all other tents. That's why it's called Ha'ayala, because this was the only tent that had a cloud hovering above it. Meaning, this is a tent that is known and is famous. And once we understand that this is a famous tent, this is a known tent, so this brings us to the understanding that this is correlated with the miracle of the cloud that was connected and was and hovered above the tent, Shechein. And the Rebbe says, it's Pashat to the Ben Chamesh Lamikra. We just learned in the previous Parsha, Parsha's Vayera, about the Akedas Yitzchak. And we have the Pasuk, and he saw the place, Hamakoy Merachik. Shehivdolasoy, Shalmakoy Plenim Minhashar, Bikishasoy. That place was separated from all other places in terms of its holiness. And therefore was worthy of being called the place. And how did Rashi tell us that how did Avram know this was the place? This was because Avram Avinu was able to see that there was a cloud that hovered on the, on the mountain, the Imkain. And so if Rashi just explained this to us in the previous parsha. If so, move on. So it's clear, it's 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 pashut that in this instance, when the Torah tells us ha again with the hey the tent that is known, it's coming to teach us about a similar nest, a nest like this. Anon kasher ala and through the agency of this miracle, you can tell that this tent is different from the rest. What about the word Sarah? In which way is there a miracle alluded to in the word Sarah? So regarding Sarah, this has to be nes bedavar sheyesh This has to be a miracle that has something specific to do with Sarah. And again, what did we just learn? And this too is something that we just learned in last week's parsha, and that is when the malachim came disguised as guests. He himself was busy with preparing and serving them the meal, the various uh, courses of the meal. But the Pasuk tells us it was one thing that was different. And it tells us, Avram hurried to Sarah's tent, and he said to her, quickly, hurry, quickly knead up a dough and make cakes or bread. 
This means that irrespective of the fact that it's clear that Avram Avinu put great effort into observing the Mitzvah and we know that he had so much mysterious nefesh because despite the fact that this was the third day from his bris milah, and so he was in great pain, which was why Hashem had initially not wanted him to have to worry about guests, right? And not, and notwithstanding his great pain, he himself ran to find a young calf. But still in all, but when it came, to kneading and preparing the dough, this he left completely in Sarah's hands, and from this we learned that this was something that uh, was shaykh to her, this was maybe her specialty, sourdough even before COVID, who knows, but this was her thing, okay? Savram did not engage himself in this, umemela. And therefore, so because the Pasuk is alluding to Nisim that happened, and specifically with Sarah, so that's where the mind of the Menachemish and Mikra is going to go right away to the, to the dough. What about the word Imai? So this one, the Ben Chamesh Mikra can recognize and know this, and he can discern this, although like the other two that are, this one different from the other two is what I meant to say. This one is not hinted at, this is not something that he just learned in a previous parsha. But even the five-year-old knows even a five-year-old, immediately that's where the association is going to go. It's going to go to his mother. Even though a man could also light candles. If there's no woman, a man should and must. But still, this is an Indian Yetzim Minakla. This is an unusual thing that is always associated with the mother, Balkane. And therefore, when the Mechamish Lemikra kind of is triggered when it comes to thinking about which Nisim actually convince Yitzchak, and he sees the word Imai, immediately maven Even the five-year-old can, can connect the dots here. Because he sees his mother do this all the time. And the Rebbe says, and although it's true that this mitzvah is not only for his mother, meaning for mothers, but even for young women, even before they get married. Kemoshe is bar lahalem. The Rabbi says, like I'm going to explain further on. But still, the association is not constant like it is with his mother. It's not in every place, and it's not at all times that the Ben Chamesh will see young unmarried women like candles. Why? 
because this could be Ben Mikra that doesn't have sisters, poor kid, or that his little that his sister is very young, so she didn't start lighting candles. So the association is not going to be immediate with girls. The Alpiza move on, and so based on what the Rebbe has mapped out for us, and based on all of this, it's understood. Hatam why Rashi did not incorporate in wholesale fashion everything that the Medrash says, including the fourth miracle in which Rivka resembled Sarah. Because simply speaking, in the Pasuk, you don't find an allusion, you don't find a hint to more than these three things. Okay, seems very smooth and elegant and neat. The Rebbe says, but we still have to ask. From where do we have proof that the candles remained lit for such a long time? Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos. Even if you were to say, that they remained lit for 24 hours. That would already be a big miracle. So what compels Rashi, again, Shutei Shel Mikra, to say they remained lit from Erev Shabbos to Erev Shabbos. Ule Kush Yazu hit Yaches Rashi B'kach Shahesi Bereshis Rabbah. And it's for this very reason, for this wrinkle, as it were, for this question that Rashi brings down the words Bereshis Rabbah. Kiloimar, that is to say. If you're going to go according to the pshat, yeah, you, you, you don't have a proof for how long these candles remain lit from the pshat. But this is what the Medrash teaches. Hey, Ulam, however, but now, in accordance with everything we have learned above, we have even a bigger question about the order in which Rashi brings us the three Nisan. Not only is this opposite the order in which they are presented in the Medrash, it's also opposite of the words in the Pasuk that we just finished explaining serve as proof because they allude to these miracles. Kemotion is bar le'il, just as the Rebbe says, I just explained above. Is connected to the Anan Kashar al The word Sara is connected to Bracha Mitsuya Beisa, the blessing of the dough. And Imoy is connected to Ner Dalok, Me'er Shabbos, Er Shabbos. So why would Rashi not only invert the order of the Medrash, but also bring it to us in an order that doesn't correlate with the words in the Psukim that seem to hold within them the hint? for these miracles. And the Rebbe says in brackets, And 
And you cannot say that the way that Rashi presents them is in consonance with the order in which they occurred to Rivka. Because even if you want to say that she arrived on Friday before dark, and so the first thing she did was light candles. But it still stands to reason that this miracle would have taken place after she saw how the cloud is hovering over the tent. The Imkane, and if so, it would seem that this would have been the first miracle that would have been beheld by Yitzchak. That as she approaches the tent, the, the Anun comes back. And so Rashi should have presented it that way. First, Anun Kashar al when she went into the tent, then he should have given us the miracle that is discernible as soon as she begins to start making the dough. This miracle that the candles remained lit from one Arab Shabbos to the other Arab Shabbos would only be seen one week later. So you can't hypothesize that Rashi is giving us these miracles in the order that they occurred. And they're also not in the order of the Medrash, and they're also not in the order of the words that they are based on in the Pasuk. And the Rebbe is going to present more than one explanation for Rashi's order. Once we understand that bringing Rivka into the tent that belonged to Sarah, his mother, was actually what led to Yitzchak taking Rivka as his wife, because it was only through bringing her into the tent that it became clear to him that Rivka was like his mother Sarah. Muvan Then we have to understand that first and foremost, and mainly what's important here and what he's trying to decide and discern is how she is similar and how she can be compared to his mother in terms of her righteousness. I saw something jump into the chat once again. Uh, so Hani's asking a very good question. What was the miracle of the dough that would be seen immediately? I thought it was that it stayed fresh. So I think, I, I, I thought of the same thing when I was reading it. I think that it could be more than one thing that this bracha included, and that perhaps that, um, it just was a very good dough. Like that there was a, I don't know, we all, those of us who make dough, you know how sometimes it like, it's really good. And sometimes it's like, why is it so lumpy? And it seems dry or it seems too wet. And I, and sometimes you're like, oh, wow, this really worked. This is a good dough. Um, I don't know. 
but that's what I'm thinking. Um, why couldn't Ha'ila not refer to Hachnasas Orchem? I'm not sure I, I, I understand. I think what the Rebbe is trying to do is say that these three Nisim that the Medrash brings down are hinted at in the, in the Pasuk. Oh, why couldn't Ayala also hint at the fourth interpretation in the Medrash? That's a great question, Mashi. Um, it seems that the Rebbe is saying that each word correlates to one nace. But I don't know that. Maybe it wasn't, they weren't the only people having guests and Ha'ayala indicates that it was so unique in that tent. That's a good, that's a good answer. It's a, hey, Hayadia, it has to be a tent that looks different from everybody else's. Although my pushback to that would be that it was very different that their tent was open on all four sides. So it wasn't just a like pedestrian tent and they're having guests. So Rachi, why would there be an Anon if she didn't go in yet? So I, I, I think that's based on a mistake I made. Um, I think I inadvertently said that. And then when you read the Sikha, it seems that as soon as she went in is when the Anon should have been discernible and not before. So thank you for everybody for those questions, which are excellent. I don't think that other people had Achnosis Archim. Otherwise, that was one of the things that um, Avram told the guests. If you wouldn't eat by me, where would you eat? If everyone was having guests, then they would have eaten by somebody else. So it was unusual. I think, I think the level uh, and uh, like the amount of guests and, and the access to food that he made available to everybody was very, very unusual, like you're saying. Um, I don't know if that means that nobody else had guests, but I, th I think it's about the four doors. I think it's about, like you're saying, like, yes, because we um, we spoke about this last week, like Avram Avinu would say, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm charging you an exorbitant sum, but too bad. <laughs> you're, you're, you're basically my hostage because uh, where else are you gonna get food in this desert? And so, um, Elisheva, at least that's the name on your box. Um, I, I think you're right that nobody was having Achnasas Archem on his level. Um, but Mashi's questions, I mean, could still be, there could be other people having Achnasas Archem, but none on his level, none with the four doors open and so on and so forth. So now going back to, where were we? Okay, so the Rebbe is saying that Rashi is presenting these miracles to us in a particular order. And the order is relevant to what Yitzchak really wanted to know more than anything else. And that is, how does Rivka measure up to his mother in terms of her tzitkus? And that's why first he brings this miracle about her her the candles remaining lit from one Shabbos to the other Gahino meaning Shekima Sheboy Misbatas Shebah. 
So first, Rashi brings us as exhibit A, a miracle that, that is connected to a mitzvah that she observed. Through this mitzvah that she observed is revealed and expressed her qualities, her specific righteousness in the observance of the mitzvah. And after this, then comes the miracle of the blessing that was found in the dough. This too is connected to her overtures and what she does. But it's not specifically to a mitzvah. It's not a mitzvah to make dough. And only afterwards, and then Rashi lists an, a miracle that has nothing to do with her overtures. It's, it's both not a mitzvah, and it's not even connected to something that she did. So that's how the Rebbe answers this question, but he's going to go back and answer it again in another way. I understood that the dough was always fresh, but an abundance of dough as well. Okay, so it could be the abundance, Hani, Dina Groner is saying. Not just that it stayed fresh, but there was an abundance. Thank you, Dina. Vav. Um, so I think that there are people on who might remember when the Rebbe said the Sicha. I remember there was like a tremendous excitement surrounding this. So the Rebbe says, from the wondrous things that are found in this parish Rashi, based on what we explained, that Yitzhak married her only after he saw that her candles remained lit from one shop to another. From this, we learned that Rivka lit candles before she was married. And more than this, and when she got married, she was three years old. At an age where a woman is not she already was keeping this mitzvah. And more than this, and based on what the Rebbe did in the previous ice, that Rashi presents these nisim in particular this order, in the order of importance in terms of the litmus test, this means that the fact that she lit candles served as a main clarifying factor that she is like Sarah, his mother, and towards his decision that he should take her as a wife. And especially in this instance, if she wouldn't have lit candles, there would be no candles lit in this house. I'm sorry, 
And specifically in this instance, in this, um, in, in, in this example, it's not that if she wouldn't have lit candles, it wouldn't have been candles lit. No. Because Avram Avinu kept the whole did all the mitzvahs. Inclusive of Mrs. Durabanan, like Rashi has explained, in, in, will explain in Parsha's toilets. And the halacha is, halacha is that if a woman can't light candles for whatever reason, the husband lights the candles. Therefore, we must say, that from when Sarah passed, that both Avram and Yitzchak, presumably they had separate tents and they both lit candles. And so notwithstanding the fact that there were already candles lit by Avram, Rivka did not um, satisfy herself with the candles that Avram Avinu lit. He was a gadol. He was mechuyev in the mitzvahs. Vehidlika ner ba'atzma, but she herself lit her own candles. Av shahis az ktana ba'shloi shanim, even though she was a little girl of three. Omikan lamadnu hayra brura, and from here we learn a very clear lesson. Obehetem lemedubark far pam and rabbis, and in consonance with what was spoken of many times. It's not just girls who have already passed Bas Mitzvah, but are before marriage that need to light candles. But even little girls, starting from three years old, and they're not yet if they are shy to understand what candle lighting means, they should be educated in the direction of lighting Shabbos candles. Even if there is already a mother and even others that are lighting candles because they're mitzvah they they have they have the specific commandment and they do the commandment and they are mechuyiv alpidin and even though candles are being lit by people are mechuyiv alpidin the little girl should light as well. And it's true the Rebbe says that Rivka must have been then. Abazdas, she must have been very mature and cognitively developed much more than a regular girl at three. It's very clear from the whole trajectory of events between her and Eliezer. He was he 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 really looked at what she was doing. And because she was already mature and and cognitively developed, that's why it was necessary, like Rashi points out to us, that she should agree to the Shidduch. 
Rashi says, from here we learn that a woman must agree to her shidduch. We learn that you don't marry a woman, even an older woman, only when she agrees. At the end of this day, she was only three. It's a long way from bas mitzvah. So even though she was so mature and so developed, but Technically, the din alpitera was that she was a katana. She was a little girl. And still, she lit the candles. Zayin. And yet another wondrous thing that we find here. Ka'amor, as has been said. Surely Abraham Avinu lit candles every Erev Shabbos. Va'avel pikein. Although the Pasuk tells us that he was Baba Yamin and that he was older and Hashem had blessed him with everything. And for sure, this means not only that he had everything he needed physically, but that he was consummate in a spiritual fashion. And still in all, he why was this such a telling litmus test for Yitzchak? Because it was not something that occurred when Avram lit the candles. It was not something that occurred when he lit the candles. It was only Kafisha Niskayim Bad Lakas on Ershel Sarah. It was only Sarah's candle that remained lit from Ere Shabbos to Ere Shabbos. And afterwards, this returned again with Rivka when she started lighting candles, she was only three. And the Rebbe says, from this we see, the wondrous power that lies hidden in the mitzvah of Even when it's on the part of little girls, Girls are only three years old. Every Jewish woman is called the daughter of Sarah Rivka Rachel Shela, And through her lighting candles, she radiates her home. Her whole home is, is, is illuminated for the entirety of the week. And the Rebbe says, I'm not just saying that the difference is that physically those candles remain lit. It's true that the physical nace was that, the, that it remained lit from Erev Shabbos to Erev Shabbos. But on the innermost level, this is true for every Jewish woman who lights candles and every Jewish girl. Even though we don't see it tangibly. But because we have this axiomatic rule that everything that the Avais did is both a sign and also gives us Kayach. 
So every Jewish woman that is the daughter of Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, Yesh, Biyada, Hakayach, Sha'or, Hamitzvah, Shalner, Hashabah, Shalah, Yifal, Al Meshech, Hashavua, Kule. Every Jewish woman has this Kayach that the light and the energy and the, um, her particular spiritual glow should irradiate her home the whole week. And there's another wondrous thing. Specifically when we talk about little girls lighting candles. When Chazal tell us how wondrous it is when little children learn Torah, that the world exists in this house. They underscore what is so great about little children learning Torah, that these are children who are innocent of any sin. Hevel tineka shall base rabban dafka. It's specifically the breath of these tineka shall base rabban, these little children. And so from this, we can understand how great is the characteristic of the candle lighting that is done through the agency of a little girl that has no hate. And I want to comment on this says, I want to, I want to just bring attention. So based on what I said, we have to understand, we have to study. So this should be true of every single mitzvah that a little boy and a little girl does because of chinuch. And we don't find in Sfarim an explanation for why it only says it about why it only says it about Limar HaTayra. Um, another comment in the chat, isn't the cloud connected to the mitzvah of Taras HaMashbacha? Yes, it is. Thank you for bringing that in. I think yeah. that question, I had the same question because I think that question was connected to when you when the Rebbe says that the candles were connected to Sarah because in a close way, because it was the only mitzvah that she did. So really, if the cloud... Yeah, continue, but I'll just say the Rebbe is going to address this point. This question is a, a perfect segue into what the Rebbe is going to say in terms of the order. Tess, Hatam shadafka neirasein shal Sarah verifka. So why was it that it was Dafka, the, the, the candles of Sarah and the candles of Rivka? And the Rebbe says, and it's true of all the candles, not tangibly, not physically, but it's true of the spiritual glow in all the generations. But why not of Avram Avinu and Yitzchak and all men, is understood through what our sages tell us is the difference between men and women. Chani, I'm so sorry. I feel like I, I cut you off. You're in the middle of a sentence. Forgive me, please. I'm sorry. That Chazal tell us 
when they want to explain the difference between the male modality and the female modality, the man brings the wheat. He brings it into the house. And it is the work of the woman, his helper that is opposite of him. So he brings home the wheat. She turns it into something that is worthy of food. Hashem created the world in such a way that it is the male modality to conquer. To import, to, to conquer, conquest, to, to acquire things from the world outside of his home and bring them into his house. Bring them under his dominion. This is the male modality. In contradistinction, the woman, and even more Adrava, because the glory of the woman is in on the innermost plane, in the innermost realm. Her job, her mandate as the anchor of the home, as the definitive influence in the home, is specifically inside. She actually needs to rectify and even change things that are coming in from the outside and make them fit for people. So Rebbe is saying it's not like it's a metaphor. Until they are fit and refined enough for the celestial man, for Hashem. And therefore, when Avram Avinu lit the candles, because it's not in the main, his mandate, it's not a man's mandate to be invested in this realm. So there was no reason to effectuate a miracle that the irradiation of the house physically should be more than what is normal because this is not his neighborhood as it were the dafka but is dafka sarvarifka and after them all of their daughters until the end of the time kol benais israel shenasan lahena kadish baruch was atafkid vashlichus lasik betarchi habayis we were vested with this mandate and this shlichus, the and to also affect the physical, material aspects of the house. So therefore, because it is a woman's mandate, she gets special kreches, and when she lights the candles, it should be able to illuminate the house, the whole house, all the time. So whenever somebody walks into the house, it is clear and manifest that this is a house 
in which a bas or a rift of Rachel lit candles. And now in the last ice, Erit, the Rebbe is going to circle back and relate to your question regarding the cloud connected to Haras Mashbacha and Chani's comment about the dough and um, Kashros, even though it was not mentioned yet. Alpihana, based on all of the above, Yuvan Gam Tam Rashi. The Rebbe is now giving us another layer in the reasoning for why Rashi presented the miracles in precisely this order, which again is opposite the order of the Medrash, but even more jarring is opposite the order of the words as they appear in the puzzle that Rashi seems to be saying are alluding to these very missing. The Rebbe says, Hamifarshim Kasfu. And you can look at the, at the footnote, the Chizkuni, the Gor Aryeh, the Ben Ezra, the Be'er Mayim Chayim Va'id. So many Mefarshim have converged on this idea. Sheshloishas Henyanim Shehevi Rashi, Ner Dalak Me'er Shabbos Erev Shabbos, Brocha Mitzuri Be'isa, Va'anun Kasher Ala'ayel, that these three miracles, Heim Keneged, Shloish HaMitzah, Shenestabu Behen, Bimyuchad B'Nais Yisrael that they parallel the three mitzvahs that have a special connection to women. Chala, Nida, Taras HaMishpacha, Hadlaka Saner. Al Yidei Shmiras Mitzvahs Hadlaka Saner. Ner Dolok Me'er Shabbos Erev Shabbos. Hazihiras B'Mitzvahs Chala P'ula P'Eles Shatiyah Bracha Mitzvahya B'Isa. Al Yidei Hazihiras B'Mitzvahs Nida Zoycha Abayz L'Anan Kasher Al-Oyel. The Rebbe says, that through being careful and observing the mitzvah of Lakas Neris and being careful with the mitzvah of Chala, in which case this brings a bracha into the dough, and through being careful with the mitzvah of Nida, this brings that Hashem's presence should hover over our tent. It brings the Anan the Shechina. Obehetem l'sejas maneem shal shloish ha-mitzvah kava rashi asudram shal shloish ha-satvarim. And in consonance, with the order of how these mitzvahs would be rolled out in a woman's life, Rashi brought them in that order. As soon as she becomes a, a bas some kids can light candles at two years old. They're speaking, they're saying brachas, they understand. So, she starts like candles. That's the miracle of Ner Dolok Meir Shabbos Erev Shabbos. Then after some time, she grows up and she begins to get involved in things that are done in the house. Then she also starts to make dough. That's the bracha mitzvah and after some additional time, the ace Nisuel, when she gets married, he mikayemes it's mitzvah nida tarz hamishpacha. She keeps the mitzvah of nida tarz hamishpacha, which is connected to the anon kasher al ha'ayah. Mikol ha'amor, from everything that was said above, move on. It's understood. Goydel haschus beishtadlus. How great is the merit! And getting involved, Shakol Bas Yisrael, that every Jewish girl, take as soon 
as she comes to an age where she can understand and she can be educated, that she should tadlik ner b'chol erev Shabbos kodesh erev yamtiv, that she should light candles every erev Shabbos every erev yamtiv, v'al yedei had lokas ner Shabbos, and through this, through the lighting of candles for Shabbos and yamtiv, niske kinemar b'liyalkot shemayni, we will merit pursuant to what it says in yalkot shemayni lekiyum to the to finally to seeing. Ani Hakadosh Baruch Hashem says about Himself, Ani Marelochem. We will finally be able to behold that Hashem promised, "I will show you Neir Shel the lights of Yerushalayim of Tzion, the car of Mamish very soon, Begula Hamitis Vashlema, with the complete and true Geula." And today is Chav Cheshvan, and if you look at the date of this sicha, this was said on Chav Cheshvan. Shabbos Parshas Chayisara, Tafshin Lamed Hay. So that's a sicha for today, and, uh, and I invite everyone to unmute yourselves and share. Practically speaking, what's the timeline here? Like she came, and when when did they get married? When did he see it? Did he need to wait? It says, the Rebbe says that the candle she did right away. When she gets older, we do the dough. When you get older, you get married, then you get the cloud. So when did this all happen? I, I could be wrong, but it seems to me that what the Rebbe is saying is if Yud about how Rashi lists these in this precise order, which correlates with the order of when these missiles would become relevant in a woman's life, He's not saying that's when Yitzchak married her. It does seem, however, that from what the Rebbe is explaining, and I'm not sure about this, but it does seem that Yitzchak married her one week later, because it would only have been one week later that he could see that the Ner Dolok Erev Shabbos Erev Shabbos. Yeah, Vivi. Yeah, it was a watershed sicha two months after the beginning of Mrs. Nash. It's so apropos that Rivka, you're teaching us a sicha, the daughter of Mrs. Sternberg, whose whole I'll, life. I'll tell you something that. funny. I, I ask Rabbi um, Yaris every week, I ask him to send it to me before the sicha is available online because they have their own translation. So even if it's in Tvar Malchus, it's not, you know, it's not the one that's going to be online. So I want to get it from him. And um, very often one is ready before the other. And I wait to get both to make a decision. He sent me this, this one was ready first. And then he said, I'm sorry, I only have one ready for you. And when I looked at it, I said, don't worry. Uh, this is the one I'm using. And he wrote back, I should have understood. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it wasn't much of a toss up this week. Listen, we've done, we've done sikhas about Inyanim that, that were far afield from us. Uh, you know, so this one, you know, it was a no-brainer. Esther, tell us something. The amazing thing here is I think that the effect of a mitzvah, the effect of when a woman lights Shabbos candle, the effect that it has is very different than when a man lights Shabbos candle. And when a woman puts on tefillin, the effect will be very different than when a man puts on tefillin. So who does the mitzvah is a remarkable um, thing, the effect that it has. But what is, as women, I mean, what's so remarkable is the first time you see 
the Mikdash Ma'at, the Mishkan, in a small element. The first time you see reference to Mishkan, if you really look at it, is here by Sarah. She really teaches us that later on, the lighting of the Shabbos candles, the Rebbe says, is for the Menera, right? And we'll see the Neor Chalzion. And the Isa and the Chala, the Bracha and the Chala is also that you eat very little and it fills you up. Brachin food and brachin chalim, another element of it is you, you, it, it has a brachin, you don't have to eat a lot of it. And it already takes care of all your nourishment. So, and by the, and that it lasted from week to week is like lech mapon. And the Tarsan Shpacha is the Kedesh Kedosh. The I think if I'm not mistaken, the measurements of the RN was, a, was qualified for mikvah. The, the interesting thing is that you see here from Sarah is you see the entire, it is after Yitzchak becomes a carbon. So you see the Avoy the Bachotz, you see the work outside of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the Mishkan, right? He becomes a carbon, the masculine, right? And then you see the work on the inside from um, Sarah, the, the Hadlakas Neiros is the Menera, the, the, the dough is the Lechem Aponim, the Mikvah is Kaitshak Dashim, and then by Ketura, you see about the Masim Tevim that the woman does is equal to the, to the Keturus on the inside on, this, on the Golden Mizbeach. It's all connected. You, you see the whole picture in a small picture, and it is with Sarah's passing that we get this whole picture. It's just an amazing. When we think about the feminine role, it's not a small thing. It is so not a small thing. It's quieter, but it is, it's an amazing thing. A thing and you see it right by Sarah. That the, whatever. I think even according to the inside role of the, of, the, of the Mishkan was the feminine role. And the outside was the masculine. It's just an amazing thing what we create in, in, in having a home. And it's also these three mitzvahs. That the Abishta gives him an right? It is with these three mitzvahs that it is an auspicious time for a woman to ask, What other mitzvah do you have that? So, but in mikvah, in lighting candles, and in making challah, it's an Esrotzen after you make the bracha. It's, it's just that I was saying the effect is unbelievable, even if we do not see it and how it, how it affects. Um, I'd like to jump in and say something um, fast, personal. I obviously many years ago I wrote a letter to the Rebbe. Um, shortly after I was on Shulchas in Uruguay, married a few years, and one of the answers the Rebbe told me personally was not to forget to give tzedakah before lighting Ner Shabbos Kaidish Yantif. And it's something I try to teach and tell everybody. Because, and it also makes sense. If I was asking the Rebbe different questions and different needs or desires that I had, when you give Tzedaka in an Ace Ratzain, um, there you got it. Anyway, I wanted to share that. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're just used to it. Probably everybody on this chat does it, but it's something to teach. It's something to, when we, we teach even mikveh, we teach whatever we do and Chala also. The importance of giving stuck before because it's an ace rotsin. That thank you, Esther.
Well, thank you. Thank you, thank you both. And uh, for those of you who don't have the chat open, I just want to read that Vivi says, when I teach Kalas, I start with this Rashi, but first I ask what the predecessor of the Mishkan Beis Hamikdash was. And even if they're educated women, they rarely guess it. Um, the Ramban says exactly this in his in his preface to uh, to his his parish on Chumash Shemais. He says that the that everything about the Mishkan and the Mikdash was predicated on what happened in the tents of the of the Imahis. It's a very very powerful thing. Wishing everybody an illuminated week. We should be able to see the light. And and all the hamshachis. And uh, even though Joni is not here this week, she is still very interested in hearing from everybody about this gathering that she is planning. Uh, for So if you haven't yet replied, please do. And everybody have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.